This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. So, welcome. Welcome, welcome back. back. Welcome back. Wow, it's been so long since we've talked to any of you. We miss y'all as much as you miss us. Uh, that was heartfelt. I've actually gotten people message me being like, when is your next damn episode? I'm getting <laughs> dumb. I'm not learning anything. <laughs> So, like, awesome. I'm glad people are learning stuff from this, because I think we're learning stuff out of this, too. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a lot more than yeah. I thought, and yeah. it's great. It's really great, and we hope you are, too. That was our whole goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's to make us smarter at the expense, at the expense of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... Let's get into it. Season two. Season two of Microscope. Season two. Thank you for having us back. It's an honor. Yeah. Oh, was that to me or to them? To everybody. Oh, okay. Everybody who would possibly be involved with this. Whoever cares about us, thanks for (laughs) wanting to have us come back. But so, I think, you know, Kevin and I have spent the last... Two, three months? I don't even remember. What did you do? It was about two or three months. Um... Mostly work, graduate students, um, not students in the conventional sense where you have a summer vacation. Remember since like first grade, you would always have summers off all the way through college unless you took summer school or something. Uh, For us, it's not that at all. In fact, uh, the work ramps up even more. But even through that, because my boss likes to take vacations, I got to take a few vacations (laughs) Uh, went out to the Grand Canyon for a little bit. If you can make it out there, definitely check it out. It's a great place to learn and really feel it personally. Feel the age of the Earth. Oh my just how God! Massive Kevin. geological timescales are. Calm down. No, real. This is my plug. <laughs> You're gonna take a trip to the Grand Canyon. Don't miss the Trail of Time along the Rim Trail. It's a great educational experience. I'm going to write that down. Trail of time. Trail of time. It takes you through each rock layer that you can see from each vantage point and what's where in the Earth's evolution uh, geological process. That fucking looks dope. That fucking looks sweet. And then uh, Bianca and I got to go to Catalina Island off the coast of California. It's like a tropical island. Why did you guys do that? Very kind of cheap relative to going to Hawaii. It was in like the end of middle of August. It was when both our bosses were gone. There was like a week window where both of our bosses were gone. This is how you have to do vacation in grad school. It's just plan it so strategically. Yeah, but we got out there. It was a great, um, great little backpacking trip. But uh, we got to go snorkeling, uh, see kelp forests. I want to give ooh, a huge shout out to ooh. kelp forests. Had a very. <laughs> Fun time. It's like a normal forest, but under the under the sea, and it's super cool. Yeah. What were you up to, Mike? What did you get to do this summer while we were away from our podcasting <laughs> duties? I feel like I didn't do well. So I went to Italy, which was that's dope. big. As I think all of you probably saw on Instagram, Sam was like messaging me. She was just like, "Mike, take photos of yourself." <laughs> I was like, "I have a lot of selfies." Like I. Don't... I don't know if anybody wants to see this. That's what but, that means, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but no, like, it was dope. And I think, you know what's really funny? It's since moving here to the West Coast, people see me as someone from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. But when I was on the East Coast, people saw me as, like, an Italian New Yorker. Oh. And I feel like I miss that 
aspect of like who I am. And right now I'm just like, oh, you're the Northeasterner that says water with a D. <laughs> I'm more than that, people. No. So the folks in Italy saw you as an Italian New Yorker. No, no, no. They saw me as like an ignorant American that could barely right. speak Italian. <laughs> I just can't have it any way I really want it. <laughs> Whatever, fuck it. <laughs> but, so, I think, let's just get into this episode, because I think you and I are both really excited about this episode. Yeah, this is something we're pretty passionate about. Yeah. We touched on it here and there last season, but we felt that these topics really, really deserve to be fully fleshed out and have their own episodes. Yeah, them. and so, we have a lot of good episodes in store for you guys this season, and we've sort of set it up where we're clustering episodes together. Mm-hmm. Like, so for the next four, we're, they're all going to be food-based. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tell you what aspect of food, but something about <laughs> food. And we won't be sending you food, so you can cross that off your oh, list. damn. <laughs> Are you going to pay for that? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are we gonna... <laughs> um, so I think getting right into it, Today, Kevin and I want to discuss the truth and lies about organic foods. Organic food. We've heard this term tossed around here and there everywhere. You see it at the grocery store. You see it in commercials on TV and all of that. You hear it from people you may or may not like. Like, I only eat organic all the time. So we just really want to unpack that and see what does that actually mean? From the perspective of people in the scientific community like Mike and I. So, okay, moving on, moving on. So, yeah, we're here to talk, and we kind of like sat ourselves down and gave us a pep talk of just like, we don't want to take a side of like, organics are better or conventional foods are better because like, there really isn't a side. Like, there shouldn't be. They're just like freaking food that have like labels on on them, but... As you'll see, you know, what do these labels actually mean? Is there anything like really to this? Yeah, that's all we want to dive into. As scientists, we strive to be objective and we strive to provide people with information that is useful to them without some sort of slant or conflict of interest. So yeah. we hope we can provide that to you today. And starting off, Kevin, what when you go to the supermarket and you see like the organic section... What do you think of? Like, what does organic mean to you? To me, purely as a person at the supermarket, it means this food is going to cost more money to me. And that is it. That is where I stand. That's where I stand, too, uh, very much. Kevin the person, not as the scientist. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we have a cute little puppy, so if you hear oh, some jinging and jangling. my gosh, he is It's precious. your puppy, Kermit, <laughs> who's just so happy to be here. Kermit, you should probably, like, lay down because people are going to... Hear you jingling. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Um, so, yeah, I honestly, that's what I think of when I think of organics. I'm just like, that food is really expensive. I don't, there's, you know, I'm not going to buy that. I've actually recently, and probably since you and I have done this research, I see organic as like, a, I need to avoid that at all costs. Because that, it's almost like an evil product. And I'm like, I'm one of those people that are just like, I only eat GMO and non-organic. Which is the exact opposite yeah, of everybody else. Yeah, usually hear about, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. That, that's our opinion on organic. But let's, I, maybe you can talk a little bit about this. But like, 
when you go to the supermarket and you see the word organic on foods, what is that? Like, what does the FDA decide? Like, what is their definition? Absolutely. So let, let's back it up even more and say, what is the general scientific consensus about the definition of the word organic? Yeah. And there's actually a lot less to it than you might think. Really, when you're a sophomore in college and you're going into organic chemistry, uh, this is your probably second level chemistry course. Um, in the first day in that class, they basically set you down and say, Organic chemistry is the chemistry of living organisms. And to further elaborate on that, an organic chemical or an organic compound, um, by definition, is simply a molecule that contains carbon atoms with bonds to hydrogen atoms. Um, in the scientific community, the term organic literally just means that it is a molecule that has carbon atoms with bonds to hydrogen atoms. And as you go further in organic chemistry and go into biochemistry, you'll see that's quite literally every molecule in every organism. Every molecule in the human body is an organic molecule. Every yeah. molecule in every food you would eat is an organic molecule by that definition. Therefore, when we slap a term like organic onto lettuce or asparagus or something, uh, from a scientist's point of view, that isn't really a meaningful distinction. It's not really telling me any more information that I didn't already know and that this is, um, it was a living organism, right? The lettuce grew out of the ground and it's going to be used to and feed a living... And it's got cellulose in it too. Yeah, it's got, yeah cellulose <laughs> being an example of an organic molecule. It has carbons, it has hydrogens. That's all that organic means. There's also means got some to oxygens us. too, right? Exactly. Okay. So you can you can elaborate. There's more classes of organic molecules, but they, at the basis, that's what the it basically means, and why we kind of find it funny and interesting that it has become it has taken on this meaning in our in our culture that it has. Yeah, yeah. So, the FDA's definition of organics actually doesn't have anything to do with the food. That it has, was surprising to me. It, yeah, this was something we were talking about. That's like, it has nothing to do with the actual food product, but it has everything to do with how that food product is handled and or processed. Mm -hmm. So this is everything from putting the seeds in the ground, what kind of soil was there to begin with, what types of fertilizers we use, what types of pesticides we use how we harvested the crops and then how we further processed them. Yeah. Basically everything that happens with that food up to the point where it hits the supermarket shelves, how was that handled? And was that handled in a way that the FDA um, arbitrarily describes as being organic? Yeah. And so there's different categories of it as well. So you could be a hundred percent organic, which means every aspect is organic in that practice. Um, it can just be organic, which means part of them. I think it was like, it really, you just need like one or two of the, those processing steps. Um, and then the last one is made with organics. Mm -hmm. So that just means like if it's like a food product, like let's say like muffins or something, mm -hmm. and like your raisins and eggs are organic, then you can say like made with made organics. Made with organics. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and so... When you hear the term organic, it has nothing to do with, like, the food. Everything to do with 
the life cycle yeah, of the yeah, food the or like product, the process development like, cycle yeah, from I think. planting it to um, cultivating it to the harvest all of those processes are really what are um, dictated by the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture to be considered um, an organic food product yeah and so a part of like doing our research for this we actually looked up um, they're called the so it's the federal regulations right so like the FDA um, put out so this is actually pretty intense but it's title 7 subtitle B chapter 1 subchapter M part 205 and that is regulations of the Department of Agriculture on organic food production act provisions yeah we went that was like, like a mouthfucking we went Sorry, in we like that like, we yeah, really we, looked like what are the actual rules what is the goddamn laws that have to be followed in order to say all right my food can have that organic logo slapped on it and it's really surprising like i kevin and i were sitting here like laughing about <laughs> we're like what like okay we we each picked our three favorite ridiculous thing that <laughs> yeah. we saw that you know but i think before we get into that one big thing is that to get that usda organic sticker it's not even through the government this was wild to me yeah. these agencies that will actually um accredit a grower or a specific product that a grower produces as organic, these are actually private firms that are they're um, policed or regulated by the USDA to be um, holding up their standards. However, these are people that farmers have to pay up front to inspect their products, to inspect their uh, supply chain management kind of terms, to actually be able to say my food is organic. They actually have to pay an agency that will come check that out. Um, which is different from the Department of Agriculture themselves. Yeah, yeah. That was hugely surprising to and me. Do, did we ever come up with a price on that? Stamp was of approval? <laughs> the only kind of dollar metric I could get out of it was if your revenue from the sale of your produce exceeds $5,000 per year, which I would imagine most large, most large corporations yeah. um, surpass, it was at that point you absolutely have to be have to get accredited for organic food production. Oh, but if so you fall below that, I guess you could say my shit's organic, but not have anything to back that up. Wow, that's interesting. That probably means like a lot of a lot of these local farmers are actually you labeling these farmers markets. Yeah, you right? get the soap. Like this was all I made this from scratch from hand. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's actually really funny. So, huh? I did not know that. I think I heard somewhere, and this is like. Purely my opinion, purely anecdotal, but like I think it's like a hundred thousand dollars a year that a company needs to pay like per product to have like that seal of organic approval. So that's like absolutely, insane. I think that's where a lot of like these upcharging. So like it it gets upcharged for them to actually be called organic, and then like a, a, at the end of the day, like a lot of these practices do cost more. Mm -hmm. You know, like it costs more. Well. Not even like cost more, but like the amount of money they put into the crops and the amount of money they get back out of the crops is less because they're not as the efficacy mm -hmm. or like 
Yeah, whatever. We're, that's that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. That so. is kind of crazy. We'll exclude a lot of the farmers who can't shell out a hundred grand up front. Maybe yeah. you are eating organic food that's by definition, by the by the criteria that we determined to be organic, it may be. But what if this guy can't shell out a hundred yeah. grand up front? Exactly. And that's probably the case with like a lot of small farmers. Mm-hmm. Like all. I, well, maybe not all. Okay, I, that word all is I so don't dangerous. Know. We would love to have actual people in the agricultural field. Please, no pun intended, please hit us up and we'd love to have you on the show to talk about this. What, what was the pun there? Agricultural field. The field, but it's like a field. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> it was terrible. It was a terrible fucking pun. That's why I didn't intend it. Uh, I liked it, though. I liked it. But so, okay, yes, that was like all the interesting things we found, but then... We want to pinpoint specific regulations that we both found, right? And so I guess I'll just start off. Um, Mine was, so I would definitely give you, I I want you guys when you hear this to like Google what I say. Just so you know that like I'm not just lying to you. Or like also like I'm saying this but also know that there's like, 500 other pages of this that you could like look Absolutely. into. Absolutely, yeah. Know, like, we want people to flex those fact-checking yeah. muscles. It's even more important. Now and we, we did say that this was like really easy to read. Yeah. Like the language of this, I don't know what title I've had more seven, trouble reading landlord-tenant law before yeah. than reading these USDA statutes for what can be considered organic. Yeah, I thought, I, I re- really appreciate the fact that these are very clearly explained and like I, I, I appreciate that but so my first one is article 205 period 206 which falls under crop weed and disease management and I thought it was really interesting because I don't have um, any experience really with like farming or whatever so I guess I just assumed that like disease management or um, like these weed controls meant like you're spraying pesticide on it or like you're pulling it out of the ground. You know, I didn't think of it. But under like the organic, like to be called organic, you can do, there was like 10 things, but one was you can flame the, you know, flame the crops, heat the crops by baking them with lights or something. And then also there's electrocution. What the Which fuck? Which I'm just like, <laughs> who's walking around electrocuting Yeah, what plants? do you have there? Like a cattle problem? You're hitting each ear of corn? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, I thought that was like a weird... And you know that option is in there because somebody's doing it. <laughs> so some of your organic food is being electrocuted. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bode well for the person who doesn't want the scanner at the supermarket. Yeah, How do you right? want a cattle prod zapping that shit? So that was funny. And then the other thing is like what people, you know, more consider organic or like, you know, the idea of organic is that you can build habitats for predators of these, you know, weeds and or pests. So like, you know, today there was this like moth that like eats these gnats that are like attacking your alfalfa or whatever. You can build homes for those moths around there. Which is weird because I feel like a lot of farms do that already, and I thought I, I I don't know, but yeah. So that was that. Kevin, go. I like that. Yeah, that's a very environmentally friendly approach to it. If we just 
leverage what's already happening in an e ecosystem with predator-prey interactions like that. We can really just ramp that up for our own purposes. Right. Um, so going off of what another big kind of quote or general idea you hear in the organic food and like natural um, foods and natural practices movements is the idea that if it's natural, it can't possibly be bad for you. It's natural. It's not synthetic. It's not created in some chemical laboratory by mad scientists like us. So how can it be bad for you? <laughs> So to address things that absolutely fall into that category is of this same document, section 205.602 lists the non-synthetic substances or in other terms, organic quote unquote substances that are prohibited for use in organic crop production. That means natural things that you absolutely can't use in your crop production if you want that final product to be considered organic. And listed in here are several nasty, but very much natural things, such as arsenic. You cannot use arsenic as a pesticide. Good. Ooh, who would have thought? I'm so glad they're <laughs> I'm not glad spraying they that with arsenic. <laughs> explicitly to not let arsenic go in. On the same token, um, lead salts. So anything containing lead, also, also totally natural, can't be used as pesticide. It's not good for you, even though it's natural. And then finally, I'm a big Simpsons fan, so this was hilarious to me. You cannot use tobacco dust. Um, like that one episode where they had the tomatoes covered in tobacco. Tobacco dust, nicotine sulfate, nicotine in the natural environment being um, a pesticide produced by the tobacco plants. You can't use tobacco dust, put that all over your tomatoes and still call them organic. Even though tobacco, totally natural. And it will act as a pesticide, but if you use tobacco as a pesticide, that product can no longer be considered natural or organic. I, you know what? I'm glad that um, my organic food doesn't have arsenic, lead, and tobacco, tobacco all, all over, over it. Side so note, we actually looked into this. Conventional foods also have the law. <laughs> no tobacco, ash, lead, or yeah. arsenic. Yeah, so luckily, so even if you're eating... Um, yeah, regular food now from the organic aisle. They also have to follow these standards, which is good for us, even though these are all totally natural things. Natural. I the tobacco ash I think is funny. <laughs> yeah, that must have been like a very old, like usage thing or something yeah. that they were that like. I don't think probably like you know once we found out that tobacco was bad for you or like addictive and bad. Like, we were just like, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't be covering all the food. With yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was great for sales. People just couldn't stop eating my sweet corn once I put the tobacco all over it. Uh, I, uh, have you seen that meme where it was just like, it would be great to be an old-timey doctor? Yeah. You got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it. All drunk. Uh, yeah. uh, that was, uh, I love memes. Mm -hmm. um, okay, wait. No, so I have another thing, which... I actually had this conversation with a friend a, a few days ago about how, like, in organic farming, you know, they don't replenish the soil with, like, using fertilizers or anything. You know, they just, like, rotate crops. Mm -hmm. The second part of that is true. Yes, they rotate crops. But, no, it is actually 100% okay and 100% organic to add specific uh, fertilizers to the soil. And some of these, and so I do want to point out though that 
before they do any of these things, right, before they add anything to the soil, they need to first test the soil using specific guidelines and then show these to the, um, what are they, the stamping agency or the admit, or whoever gives them that stamp of organic. Mm -hmm. They need to show them these results and be like, hey, like, we need to add this to the soil. And some things they do, which I actually thought was like, kind of interesting was they add fish food which is one of them and they also add elemental sulfur which um is actually like a byproduct of uh what is it like our oil refinement mm -hmm. so like a lot of the elemental sulfur that gets produced comes from oil refinement so they're refining oil and then we're dumping that into our organic plant soil there you yeah. go. Dude, that's that what you want. That's a win-win from an industrial standpoint. Our waste from one industry is a fertilizer for another one. That makes perfect sense. Plants need sulfur. Um, though I don't know if you eat organic because you feel it's cleaner. Just know that that sulfur came from refining oil. Exactly. I mean, it, right, the other idea is like it's an element. And, you know, in that yeah. form, it's like it's pure and like it's... Yeah. We we had this conversation earlier about like a dosing thing. Yes. Yeah. Like you can spray our plants with arsenic and lead and tobacco dust, but like <laughs> we need to eat a certain amount of that before we get sick. But okay, that was like a little tangent. But the other thing we want to point out as we continue to go through this is that these guidelines are for organic foods. We're not saying that these are not also guidelines for conventional foods. We just didn't look that up, but like a lot of these things that we're saying is like honestly pretty fucking obvious. Yeah, that things they that are basic common sense. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, you would yeah. also find in a, what I imagine to be a much denser document for all conventional foods, um, the the guidelines that they have to follow, that the growers have to follow in order to just legally sell a safe product. To consumers. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, I think, yes, a safe product. I think people need to think about it. Like, if, if people were really putting out, like, really bad things and, like, such a large scale where such a large amount of people were eating them, we would see. Like, it would be pretty obvious of what we were, like... I don't know, that's me. I'm like not into the conspiracy theories. And that's yeah, my takeaway yeah, from yeah, like exactly. a lot of this. Very like, easily from public health data, you'd be able to pick something out, like a correlation, like, oh, they're putting fucking arsenic on these cucumbers and people are succumbing to arsenic poisoning. Um, that would be pretty obvious from public health data from like a mile away. So that's something that we mean that these... Um, these procedures for being considered an organic food, if it sounds like common sense, likely it's also being applied to conventional foods. Cool. All right. So, Kevin, your turn. And going off of that sulfur additive kind of idea where we have um, natural substances that are being added to it, there's also a list of, if we think about organic foods, say, oh, nothing unnatural was added to my organic food. Surprise, within this list of statutes of what considers what is considered organic food, there is a list for synthetic substances that are okay to be added to either the crop, to the soil, to be used as pesticide. There's a list of truly synthetic substances that are okay to use in organic foods. Um, 
provided that there just isn't a non-synthetic alternative with the same outcomes from this substance. Um, so uh, part A in this statute states, uh, synthetic and non-synthetic substances considered for inclusion on or deletion from the national list of allowed and prohibited substances will be evaluated using the criteria specified in prior acts. Um, that being the criteria set forth in this act, any synthetic substance used as a processing aid or adjuvant will be evaluated against the following criteria. That being, the substance cannot be produced from a natural source and there are no organic substitutes. So the one main rule is that if a synthetic substance is to be used and still the product and product is okay to be considered an organic foodstuff, the substance cannot be produced from a natural source and there are no organic substitutes, which to me basically says, if you literally can't do it any other way than using a synthetic pesticide or a synthetic fertilizer, if they meet all the criteria for conventional food as far as safety goes, you can go ahead and use that one and we'll still call that organic. So it's basically like a big like get out of jail free card if there's some synthetic technology, be it as a fertilizer, uh, be it as a pesticide or be as some other kind of processing agent like for packaging or uh, preservation means then you can go ahead and use that we'll still call it organic it'll just be between us because who the hell is going to look at this document is basically what that is yeah it's like. probably yeah yeah dope and i just realized i forgot to say what article my last thing was from and i forgot what it was i think it was <laughs> six or no it was 205 Dash two oh oh here we go. Two oh two oh five period six oh three article. That's where the, this specific information is coming from. And so this is also falling under organic substances that are allowed for organic uh, livestock and or crop production. And these were just two things that I thought were kind of funny that these are like things that they have. One was lignin sulfonate which can only be used as a dust suppressant. I don't know why you need dust suppressant around a farm. Like, I don't know. Can you think of a reason? Around here, yeah. There's dust on oh, all well, the Oh, but like nobody's growing anything in the desert. Yeah, they are. There's go out to Glendale and shit. Really? Um, around Chandler, there's like um, dairy farms. And then further out, I don't know. When you go to the top of Camelback, I for sure know you see farms. Um, what they're growing there, I have no idea. Huh. Well, yeah, they're they're around the valley. All right, maybe I'm lying. More, more in the more in the outskirts, and that would be something I'd see. Um, dust suppression would be a big thing. Uh, yeah, but an organic means of dust suppression could be the reintroduction of biological soil crust in that shit. You know, I had to plug that shit on <laughs> dust pre prevention. You have to. That's your yeah. job. <laughs> um, yeah. So the lignin sulfonate. Uh, which is, you know, an organic. And um, also ferric phosphate. So they're spraying iron phosphate on all this stuff. And that's supposed to act as a slug and or snail deterrent. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> so. Poor slugs. Can't you just use regular salt? Doesn't that work? That probably fucks up the food even more. <laughs> it probably does. Honestly, it probably makes that soil, like, mm -hmm. if the salinity level's too high there, it's not. Yeah. So, Kevin, did you have any other, anything else? Just on the note of that the farmers have to pay some outside person um, to go ahead and certify them as being actually organic, 
there were a few lines in that statute that kind of struck me as giving the individuals or the private firms that actually do the certification um, a little more leeway than I think they should have in certifying this for a government stamp of approval. It stated that the certifying agent may require applicants for certification to pay at the time of application a non-refundable fee which shall be applied to the applicant's fee for service account. The certifying agent may set the non-refundable portion of the certification fees. However, the non-refundable portion of the certification fees must be explained in the fee schedule submitted to the administrator, the administrator being from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Huh. So if you're a farmer and you're doing all the stuff right to be considered for organic foods, maybe you don't even want to take that risk because you have to put money on the line to even have someone come look at your shit to make sure that it's all yeah. right. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably with like a lot of these like local, well, we keep saying this, the local farms, you know, like not these big business farms. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about this study that was put together by Dangor um, and his colleagues, and they were actually out of the Nutrition and Public Health Intervention Research Unit out of the, oh, geez, wow, there's so many. Basically, the United Kingdom Health Services uh, Research. So I think this is, you know, a government agency, so they don't have any stock in um what the outcome of this was at least in the uk at least in the uk and actually they do need to have a portion of like these published articles that say whether or not um there was a conflict there was a conflict of interest and um you know the the funding agency which is the uh, uk government had no role in the study design data collection analysis and interpretation and or writing so I think these people literally just did their research and wrote about it and like they didn't care what the outcome was. And I think that's with a lot of, that's with all science. As like that is with be, all yeah. science, yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about it. So essentially they searched on this massive database with all of these studies that were done on organic foods and conventional foods and their nutrient content. And after, um, so they looked at all of these studies over the past 50 years. Okay, and in total, they came up with 52, almost 52,000 different studies. So that's like a lot that have been done. On, there's been, there's an extensive amount of research on uh, organic and conventional, um, like their nutritional content, because that was specifically what this was about. But from that, they sort of set a criteria that was just like, we're only going to use this paper if it meets certain guidelines, if it was a well-conducted study. Because 52,000 of those were probably not well. They're not conducted. Exactly. And so I think it's funny. And so they the first sort of criteria was they failed, these studies that were excluded, failed to specify their certifying body. So like we said here in the U.S., you have specific agencies, private agencies that certify you with that organic stamp of approval. In most of these cases they didn't even include what body that was. And that sort of like excludes them because their criteria of organic could not be sort of like assessed. Mm -hmm. Independently assessed. Exactly. The other, which I thought was like kind of dumb. I thought this one was actually like a dumb thing, but 
they forgot to talk about the specific plantivar or cultivar or breed. So cultivar being a plant, breed being an animal or livestock um, that the specific study was looking at. Which I thought, I mean... How could you miss that? Isn't, isn't that, that like the center of the study? The, yeah, Maybe exactly. Like the first sentence? Wild. Yeah, I so after looking at all those, they actually only looked at 272 studies. So they actually really cut their numbers almost like, gee, what is that? Like a 95% reduction? But we know that the comparisons that they're making are, there's high confidence in what was found. Right. So although that number, that N is small, that data that they have is strong. And so a few things that they found. So first off, there were very, very few differences in terms of like nutritional content um, between organic and conventional foods. There were three things that they did find that was different. The first being that nitrogen was actually higher, uh, significantly higher. Uh, in conventional foods. Phosphorus was significantly higher in organic foods. And titratable acidity. Which I read further was like a proxy for ripeness for, for how the time it took for a plant or for a vegetable or fruit to mature to ripeness. Exactly. And that was... Well... If it's like a period, I don't know how it could be like higher, but it was higher in organic foods. Mm -hmm. So I guess like your organic, like interpret that. Yeah, they ripen more efficiently than conventional foods by these, by these metrics. Exactly. But, you know, like the big takeaway from I think everything they found is like there were three differences. Two in favor of organic, one in favor of conventional, but like... Overall, like the big thing they said was like, there really isn't a big difference between the two of them. And quoting them, it is there is un the differences observed are unlikely to be of public health relevance. Absolutely, that's a big take. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah, the other things they listed on here are things we hear about in health literature all the time. Vitamin C, no, no significant difference. Magnesium, calcium, uh, potassium, no significant difference between those and other um, trace elements that when you look on the side of your crackers at the nutrition facts, it lists all these, all of these uh, micronutrients that we need. And to see that they were not significantly different across these thousands of studies that they looked at in this meta-analysis... Uh, that's really telling for if you're choosing to um, pay for and buy organic foods for this perceived superior nutritional superiority. This meta analysis shows maybe that's not out of such a yeah study. out of 292 studies that have looked at this. Like I guess I'll put it in quotations. Really looked at this. You know, yeah. I did a well conducted study to compare these two groups. There isn't much difference. So they specifically, you know, they, it, they state that a lot of these differences are just due to the randomness of biology, the randomness of the universe. Okay, so when I'm talking about these differences, um, you know, we're talking like for nitrogen, there was 6.7% more nitrogen. Yeah, it's not like there's a hundred times more nitrogen. Yeah, it, it, 6.7% percent from the total. Uh, for phosphorus, there was 8.1%. 
And then in the tri- titratable acidity, I, that's like my new favorite word. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, there was only 6.8%. So that was like the same thing as nitrogen. So It's not like they're thousands of times different from one another. It's really, this was just, the, the only differences they could surmise from this meta-analysis were that small and that made it into the paper. Exactly. All right, Kevin, your turn. So I think what I wanted you to get out of this study was that... Yes, there are differences. I'm not denying that there's not yeah, differences. differences in nutritional value. Because that's the thing a lot of people cite. It's yeah. like, oh, I want to eat organic food because it has a higher nutritional value for me. And this was a study that showed, eh, maybe, maybe that's not so true. Um, but that is definitely, from a marketing standpoint, at least in my personal experience, it does feel like that's something that the organic stamp of approval will insinuate yeah. this food is better for you because it's organic. But here we have objective, uh, reproducible research stating maybe that's not not, not really super true. true. Yeah. So, so another Kevin has exciting things. <laughs> Kevin, I like Kevin's study. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on the same on the same kind of mindset that people will choose organic food for very specific reasons, be it. It's nutritionally more impactful. It's better for me. Or on the other side, it has less of the stuff that's bad for me in it, like pesticides or residues from fertilizers. And so um, a study Mike found was kind of showing maybe that's not super true either. The title of the study was Choosing Organic Pesticides Over Synthetic Pesticides May Not Effectively Mitigate Environmental Risk in Soybeans. Basically, what that's saying is kind of the same thing we just said about the nutritional value. Maybe there isn't so much of a difference, and there's definitely a trade-off you're making for having to cultivate these crops in an quote-unquote organic fashion versus a conventional fashion. So basically, what they're looking at in this study was we're looking at soybeans, and they have one common predator. It is the soybean aphid, and among in the natural environment, not only is there this soybean aphid, but the soybean aphid itself has several natural enemies in the field. There was a moth and another kind of beetle that would in turn eat the aphid. And so they were kind of looking at um, not just the effects of these pesticides on the, the soybean aphid itself, but also on its natural predators and see if overall we can really mitigate the risk of these aphids to soybean crops by using conventional or organic um, pesticides. So the way they quantified all of this was basically two things. How harmful is a specific pesticide to the aphid and to its predators? And weighted that by how much of that pesticide do you have to apply to crops in order for it to be useful, in order for it to be effective? And what they found was that this overall metric of effectiveness to dosage ratio really, really favored the synthetic pesticides over the organic pesticides. And let me just kind of uh, run you through what some of those pesticides were. The synthetic ones were, you know, long chemical names like the organic naturopaths really like to bug on. If I can't pronounce it, it's fucked up and it's killing me. Um, like... Cyhalothrin lambda is a sodium channel neurotoxin, which is um, toxic to insects. 
Um, that one. Had, that, what does that affect their nervous system? Yeah, right. So channel? in the in the nerve uh, the cells of the insect nervous system, if there are sodium ion channels in those cells, it will block them or something that will effectively paralyze them. Think of a human disease that is kind of the same mechanism is tetanus, where you kind of lock up all your muscles lock up because there is this. Um, lack of movement of ions across channels through the cell membrane. It's kind of working like that, but this is something that's very specific to insects. All of these pesticides um, are specifically active to insect-specific um, kind of channels and uh, physiological components. So this synthetic pesticide, Cyhalothrin lambda, you only needed to apply 83 milliliters of that per hectare. A uh, hectare for our, us non-farmers is just a square of land that is 100 meters on each side. So you only had to apply 83 milliliters. So that's a good, what would be 83 milliliters in US units? That would be like- I'm guessing that's like 80% of the way through a, a regular can of, uh, bottle of Coke. Oh, okay. So yeah. if you drank 80% of that, that'd be about 83 milliliters from a one liter Coke, right? I guess we could just put it like that. So you only have to apply 83 milliliters of this to a whole hectare um, where the comparable organic pesticide listed here, mineral oil, which literally is a very non-specific way of um, killing these insects because you're basically coating them in this oil and they can no longer breathe and they basically suffocate. And that's going to- That affect, sounds- It's pretty fucking metal. <laughs> it's not, but it's also super inefficient because for 83 milliliters of Cyhalothrin Lambda that you add to a hectare, you'd have to add 11,000 milliliters of mineral oil to have the same effect. So we can see this is already not super efficient coming from a quote-unquote organic pesticide versus a synthetic pesticide. And then even crazier here, I could not believe yeah, this. Yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. If you are buying organic food because you feel it's healthier because the there's less pesticides used, first off, that's not true. And second of all, the pesticides are less harmful or less just gross from a totally subjective point of view. This other organic pesticide that they listed in this study was a fungus of the species Bovaria bassiana, and that is literally a fungus that is a pathogen to the insects that are eating the soybeans. So literally what you're doing to use this organic pesticide is you're spraying your soybeans with a fungus that is pathogenic to the insects that are eating the soybeans. So if you eat some organic soybeans, you might be eating this crazy weird fungus too, but because it's natural, this is considered organic. Um, just, it goes back to, this is all just a semantic argument of what do we call organic um, in terms of food? But for that one, that one also didn't score very high. You had to use a thousand grams of that per hectare. Um, compared to another neurotoxin uh, specific to the insects, which was also synthetic, where you only had to use about 200 grams per hectare. So overall, if you're eating food that was uh, used synthetic, 
pesticides instead of organic pesticides, if you eat the normal non-organic quote unquote food, you're getting objectively a lot less pesticides. Yeah. On your food at the end of the and day. less fungus. Yeah, less <laughs> fungus, which can be considered a pesticide. Crazy to me. So if you want to eat this weird bug-eating fungus on your soybeans, I guess buy organic. Or you can use that in your garden for your carrots or stuff. I'm sure they sell it at Lowe's and shit like that. But Probably. Yeah. Just know that you're putting some weird fungus, while it may not be specifically harmful to you, in my mind, I just think you're buying organic because you think pesticides are icky or weird for some arbitrary reason. Um, for my own arbitrary reasons, I think putting fungus on my soybeans is weird and icky. So that's my two sides. But that's why that you is know, not you, scientific, just for the record. You yeah. always gotta like wash your food regardless. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's a conventional or like organic, because like there there's stuff on there. Like it goes it gets shipped. It nature. Mm-hmm. You're not walking around like I don't know. Okay. So without getting totally off topic, I think you all love how we conclude our episodes. I think I do at least. I think yeah, our conclusion of every episode is my favorite part. Take it home and do it. Man. Take it home and do it, exactly. And I think the whole point of today's episode was really... Well, it probably sounded like we were in favor of one or the other. Um, I'm not. I can care less. I just refuse to buy organic because I think that's like a money-making scheme. Like I think that's an advertising thing and like I go against it. Yeah, that's what it kind of came down to from the meta-analysis and the soybean yeah, paper. But it's really a semantic issue. Do we call it organic by these arbitrary definitions of what that means? But if you want to do it, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Exactly. But I think because we are still focused in on climate change, like I think... What it really comes down to and like the advice we can give you is that conventional and organic is not the conversation you should be having. That's that's not the conversation. The conversation should be where can I buy local foods mm-hmm. that my carbon footprint of buying those is smaller. Absolutely. From a sustainability aspect, there is no comparison. The less energy we can put into the transportation of these foodstuffs, that's a huge um, carbon sink right there. Um, and if we can just buy locally where the food had to travel the least amount of space from where it was growing to your table, that is really a much better way to reduce fossil fuel usage. Exactly. Go home, and next time you go to the supermarket, buy from stuff that's local to you. If that shit's organic, buy it. If that shit's orga- or conventional, buy it. As long as the carbon footprint from farm to table mm-hmm. is small, that is the That's where you're aspect. really going to make a difference. Yeah, here. that's yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, that was fun. That, Kevin, yeah, let us cheers to you. you. Thanks for cheers. coming this us was back. Super fun. Episode 1 of, of Microscope season two. of season 2. Damn. So what, I think it reads episode 2. Oh, I think I just said season 1. No. No, you said that right. Season Season 2, Episode episode 1, with Mike and Kevin. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you all, and see you next week. Or see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Microscope, presented by Whatever You Say Productions. Learn more at microscopepodcast.com. That's M-I-K-R-O-S-C-O-P-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com.